Well, hello, Trinity Church. Um, this is Pastor Joel, and we've got another podcast introduction. I'm going to try to keep this one a lot briefer than they've been in the past. So uh, we're just going to look at three quick themes in chapter um, 22. So uh, first, in chapter 22, this kind of rising conflict uh, between Jesus and the religious leaders, um, Jesus in Jerusalem. Remember, he's been in the temple teaching the last three chapters, and uh, this tension every chapter that we've read is rising. And in this chapter, it really reaches a breaking point where um, the religious authorities finally, um, con in a conspiracy with Judas, um, take decisive action against Jesus to bring him down. And, and you might also say that in this chapter we see, and in the next chapter, um, we see the uh, the low point of Jerusalem. You know, Jerusalem um, may have initially welcomed him as a king, but um, it's growing um, in its kind of allegiance more to the powers in opposition to Jesus, um, to Satan himself, and um, it becomes a uh the setting for the greatest injustice committed um jesus's crucifixion and so the tension rising between jesus and the religious authorities and the decisive action against jesus um, as they uh, conspire with judas to um, arrest jesus we also see though god at work in this chapter um, we see satan at work uh but we see god at work um you know satan is at work because you know he's He's infiltrated the religious authorities. He's infiltrated Jerusalem. He's infiltrated even Jesus's disciples. You know, he leads Judas to betray Jesus. He pulls Peter away from Jesus. Um, it's because of uh, the devil's subtle work that this fledgling community that Jesus has formed, it begins to really just crumble and fall apart. And we see the beginnings of that uh, in this chapter. But also God is at work um, at the supper. You know, we see Jesus demonstrating this deep um, abiding faith and trust in God, that God will vind vindicate him and bring his kingdom through Jesus. Um, we see Jesus praying at the Mount of Olives, and as he prays and the disciples sleep, um, God actually sends angels to minister to Jesus. Um, Jesus' disciples, you know, will abandon him, but God sustains him. Um Next theme would be the Lord's Supper. Uh, you know, the events of this chapter take place on the Thursday prior to what we call Good Friday, the day that Jesus dies. And um, the kind of liturgical name or the more traditional name on the church calendar for Thursday is Monday Thursday. And Monday comes from the Latin uh, word mandatum or uh, mandate or command. And that's referring to the command that Jesus gives the disciples at the Last Supper when he institutes this practice. And so this chapter focuses especially on Jesus's institution of the Lord's Supper. And Luke is you know, very careful to, to make it clear that the institution of the Lord's Supper takes place in the context of Jesus and the disciples celebrating the Passover meal. Um, this was the meal that commemorates um, the exodus of God's people from Egypt. And Jesus takes bread and he takes wine. These were central symbols of God's redemptive work for Israel. And they say, he says that these elements, the bread and wine, are his body and his blood. And so he's showing his disciples that he comes to lead his people into a, uh, a new kind of redemption, a new exodus, uh, a true and final redemption, not just from slavery to Egypt or political bondage to Rome, but redemption from the chains of sin and death, um, which separate them from God's presence. And he's going to accomplish this 
through the giving of his own body and blood by becoming the final and true uh, Passover sacrificial lamb. And so Luke uses the meal to establish, um, on the one hand, he establishes one of the constituent practices of the New Covenant community, the, the Lord's Supper. Um, but he also uses the meal to show the nature of God's kingdom, um, what the kingdom is and who it's for. Um, remember that we've seen Jesus eating meals throughout Luke. And this meal harkens back to the themes that we saw in the past, where he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. Um, he's eating with Pharisees, curious Pharisees, repentant tax collectors and sinners. Um, and, and now at this meal, as he institutes the Lord's Supper, now he sits with a, a ragtag group of men, his disciples, fishermen, zealous, uh, religious zealots, um, tax collectors. And he institutes his new covenant meal with them. Um, and what's interesting is that even at this meal, his disciples are still concerned about status and they're still asserting their worth and they're arguing about power and who should be regarded as the greatest. And in response, as Jesus has done before, he reminds them that leaders in God's kingdom and his kingdom must serve just as he is serving them now in the supper with his own body and blood. Ultimately, God's kingdom is a kingdom for the humble and the meek. For those who use their power to love others and serve others sacrificially. This is so important, especially for these 12 men, um, or really 11 men, since Judas betrays Jesus, for them to grasp because uh, they will be the apostles, the leaders of his kingdom. Um, uh, Jesus says in this chapter, they will eat and drink at his table and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, of course, what happens right after this shows that they just don't get it. Um, even after this final kind of word of teaching about who they are um, as servants uh, in the kingdom, um, Jesus is arrested. One of the disciples tries to lead a violent revolt. He cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Jesus actually heals the man. And so he embodies this love for the enemy um, that he's called his disciples to. Um, he once again demonstrates that God's kingdom is a kingdom of grace that wages war against sin and its effects, but welcomes sinners who seek the power um, to repent and find true life in God. And so the Lord's Supper, um, it first, it's one of the, the practices of the New Covenant community, and Jesus institutes it here, but it's also an um, exhibi exhibition, you might say, of, of the kingdom, of the kind of kingdom that God brings and, who's, um, uh, and the kind of people that are welcome in it. Um, a final theme in this chapter is just the theme of testing. If you remember, the devil tests Jesus in the desert in Luke 4. And after the devil fails to make Jesus stumble, Luke says that the devil departs from Jesus until an opportune time. And this is that opportune time. And we see Jesus tested once again. Uh, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus struggles to accept his calling to suffer, um, though he ultimately responds in faith and acceptance. Um, at his arrest, Jesus forbids his disciples to vindicate him through power and violence, to demonstrate his glory and kingdom through power and violence um, before the religious leaders who interrogate Jesus. And notice they say, if you are the cross, if you are the Christ, um, very similar question uh, to what the devil asks in chapter four, or what he says in chapter four, if you are the son of God. Um, and Jesus demonstrates in these tests um, the test to accept suffering, the test to bring his kingdom through um, crucifixion, um, the questioning of whether he really belongs to the Father, very similar test to what he experienced in Luke 4. He demonstrates again 
his utter confidence in who he is and in the Father's love for him. Um, he knows that the time of his exaltation is near and that it has to come through suffering and death. He's accepted that. And, um, and so we see him standing boldly alone um, before the religious leaders. And of course, on the other hand, we see the disciples failing um, their tests. They don't understand. Uh, they're not willing to suffer with Jesus. They want to bring the kingdom. Um, if they want to bring it at all, they want to bring it in power and glory and might. Um, and Jesus will have none of it. And of course, the failure of the disciples culminates in Peter's tragic denial of Jesus three times, um, where Jesus looks at Peter after the third denial and says nothing, but in his look conveys everything. And Peter breaks down and weeps. Um, so Jesus presses on alone uh, without his disciples, but in the strength of uh, his faith in uh, the Heavenly Father. And chapter 22 closes with Jesus declaring his confidence that he will be seated at the right hand of God's power. And it's with this confidence that Jesus will take his um, bold stand before Pilate in the next chapter in chapter 23. Okay, so that's um, just a little overview of kind of how this chapter fits together and some of the themes and resonances that it has with um, the rest of Luke. And um, as you get together and read it in your home groups, um, continue to reflect on these themes, and uh, I hope it was helpful.